Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Lori Clark Show. This episode of my podcast is brought to you with the help of ZoomUs, a video and audio conferencing interface. It's important to know that I'm in no way sponsored by Zoom. I just want to tell you how much I love it. It is very reliable, easy to use, and provides excellent audio and video files that my team and I produce to share the power of story with you. Another non-sponsored, couldn't do without, but just have to tell you how good it is, is Squarespace. When they say it is the all-in-one platform, it really is true. I go into the back end of my website multiple times a day, adjust things, post podcast, add links, and look at our show's analytics, which all sync across my devices. And when I need an image, Squarespace provides an excellent resource that's powered by Unsplash. Now for my most favorite feature, the Squarespace app. Um, Being a working mom, there never seems to be enough time in my day. So when my daughter's in ballet, I sit in my car and upload, post, and manage everything on my website from the app. It's really cool and seamless. Squarespace is really, really simple and very dedicated to helping me create a brand of excellence. So with that, big shout out to Zoom, Squarespace, and Unsplash. Thank you for helping me tell people's stories. With that said, let's move on to the best part about today, the show. Please allow me to welcome my next guest on The Lori Clark Show. So thank you for coming back for this next episode. Um, We will not delay in jumping right in because, you know, we've been along this journey with you. (laughs) There are two significant stories that I want to hear from you about this. The one that struck me is when you made the account of your best friend's wedding and how he had, he was not under the influence of anything, no substance, nothing. He was in his clear mind Mm -hmm. and he showed you some behaviors that were dangerous. Atrocious, yeah. And so you saw that not only was this, um, this was the real him. And I want to hear that story. So take us to this, your two best friends, high school together, um, and they both got married, you know, just a few years out of high school. Just push us into this moment, into this memory. Okay. Okay. Um, for the months leading up to the wedding day, um, I, of course, had obligations as my best friend's bridesmaid to go and purchase uh, bridesmaids dresses and to do different events and get together in the evenings and do party favors and get, you know, like guest, you know, little gifts and everything put together, all the things that you do to prepare for a wedding. And so it had been a few months leading up to this day where I had spent one or two nights a week with my girlfriend at her home getting, you know, getting preparations done. Um, I felt the tension in doing that as it was. Um, and so I really did. And I was always very careful. I was always very sweet and very careful about how I approached things with him and how I, 
you know, explain to him what was going on. And, and so you felt tension in the months building as you were out having fun. And I doing- did. I did. But I did really with everything with him. So I was really a, a 10 years of walking. I, I, the phrase walking on eggshells is the best one I can come up with because I would always have to be very careful about my, how I approached him on things that I would like to do. Or having my opinion and things like that and, and saying, you know, what I thought. And so, day of the wedding, um, I had to get up early. I was meeting the other bridesmaids and the bride at one of the local hotels uh, to get ready for the wedding. I probably spent the week before every day kind of explaining to him how this was going to go down. So you're slowly leading him and prepping I'm him. slowly preparing him for the day that's going to come up. And so just by bringing it up and saying, well, this is what I have to do. And is that okay? And la, la, la. And, um, <clears throat> excuse me, the, um, the day of the wedding, I woke up very early. I got his suit and his, his dress shirt, his, you know, everything ironed and ready and set aside for him. I woke him up. I said, I have to go to the hotel now to get ready with the, with the other bridesmaids, but I've gotten all your stuff ready. All you have to do is basically get up, shower, and get dressed. Everything's there for you. And meet me at the at the church at this time. And I remember probably asking, I must have asked him a few times before I left. And I said, so, okay. And repeating myself, in a, I was always very, very sweet <laughs> because I just was with him and um, explaining to him. Well, what, you had to be. I had to be like, because let's, I had let's to. Pull, let's, let's, we got to move away from, but again, how many People are saying what you're saying. I I always was very sweet. I always I had to. Well, be. I had to. Be, you have to be. Is that where you're getting? Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Well, I'm I'm getting to that point where I'm saying, yeah, you had to be. And there's no there's no candy coating it, but it comes a. But to me, it comes across like, um, I'm like, yeah, you were on eggshells in every single moment of mm. your life. Oh yes. Yeah. Yeah. And you had to, it's like you had to, to treat him so delicately. Well, almost like a child where you have to say, this is what's going to happen to prepare them for the moment. Right. So yeah. Yeah. And it much. just, it's like, I know this is a grown man mm-hmm. and it just, it surprises me when you say it. And I, okay. and I, I surprises me because I, I want to hear you say, yeah, you know, he, I had to wake him up. And then I want to hear you say, and I can't believe I had to do that. Well, I really can't. Okay. So fair enough. I, I get what you're saying. Yeah. So it's, so. But you already know, I feel that way. I just, I do. I'm always looking at, cause I want to, I'm, ch- I'm checking. I'm like, oh, I, I'm in the story with you. It's, it's. I feel in this way. I think my mind goes there and I describe it that way because it's just like I'm in the moment describing it. And so I'm trying to explain to more of the listeners and, 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 you know, but I think anybody in that situation understands you've got to use caution when you're bringing up these situations where you want to issue independence with somebody that's not allowing you to. This is what I wanted to get out of there. Okay. That's what I wanted. Okay. So when I started asking this question yes. and pushing back to you, that's what I want to hear. Okay. I want to hear what you just said. Okay. Yeah. So let's talk about that. Let's say that again. Now we're both trying to remember what you said. <laughs> 
can't. <laughs> oh my god, that's too funny. That's Sometimes too funny. this logic, I know, and this intelligence just comes out, Lori. And you want me to repeat it, and it's just and you're not like, gonna happen. Oh, that's, we don't repeat magnificent. If you listen the first time, you know. <laughs> well, I was hanging on every word you said. Anyways, no, but but you were talking about the reality of having to be soft and having to yes. treat him like this child because God only knows. God only knows. Yeah, I treaded with very, very, a lot of caution in, in trying to be independent, yes, in trying to show independence in certain moments. It just and something you were trying I, to show independence, and it's like yeah. you're a grown woman. Well, and it's sad to say that at 24 years old or 23 years old, I was trying to issue independence when it should be like breathing every day. I should have been independent. I wasn't in a situation where I could be, or I put myself in a situation where I couldn't be. And I love that okay. because you did. You had the choice to leave. Everybody does. Every day. And you even had an advocate as a, as a person who was like, why are you here? Yeah. And who was feeding into you this these ideas of being independent and and being strong. But you were not there. It took her nine years to get that through to me. She showed and up after year one. And then you made a choice. And you made a choice. And when you did make that choice, you never looked back. And we will that's talk right. about that. So back I think to- that's an important point here. Yeah. You know, but okay. So you get ready. You expect him at the church. You lay out his clothes for him. Yeah. And basically, and it's super easy for him to make this, to do what he needed be, to do. And everything inside of me was panic because I thought, I knew that I was being independent. I knew that I couldn't, it's not something I could have asked his permission to. I'm in a bloody wedding. Pardon my, is that well, okay? Well, no. <laughs> I'm in a wedding. Like, there's nothing I can do. And so I, I went with it. And I, I just, um, but I was panicked the whole morning. I'm at the church. I'm outside. We're t- taking pictures. And I'm panicked because I keep looking over my shoulder thinking, where is he? 20 minutes to the wedding, 10 minutes to the wedding, standing at the front of the church and looking out and knowing he's not there. And that's when the fear took me, took over me inside. I never showed it, but inside I was like a, a, a sheer mess because I was actually in fear of what would happen later because he made a point of not showing up to something that was important to me. I wanted him to be there. There are moments in my life with him where I, a lot of moments where I wanted to be like my other friends. I wanted my spouse to be there and be by my side and be well behaved. That was a lot to ask for that last part, but to be well behaved, the alcohol really kind of ruined most, most social moments in our lives together. Um, Anyway, so he didn't show up at the wedding. And I, I mean, you're in a day of no cell phones. There's no communication back and forth. You're either there or you're not. I'm not, I, there's no technology. So I'm at a wedding out in Hazelmere Valley and then traveling to, you know, an area closer to, to White Rock uh, for the reception. It wasn't until I got to the reception and I have to tell you, I'm trying to pull off being a bridesmaid and let everybody around me think I'm living a normal life, like everything's fine. But inside, all I wanted to do was go in the kitchen of that hall where the reception was and call him. So you and I did. were, th- okay, so you did. And yeah. this is an important distinction. 
I love how you draw this connection about the, the incongruence within yourself. I needed everybody to see that I was normal, that this was a normal relationship, but yet inside, inside, I was panic stricken. I was fearful. I didn't know what was going to happen. I had no idea. And here's something so valuable to me that, you know, I'm, I'm, it's such a beautiful memory that we could have shared, but he chose to use it as a Uh, a power move in a sense. And you needed to get to the kitchen. All you could think about was getting to the kitchen to make a phone call to see if he was okay. You were the fixer. So yes. And while I, when I went to the kitchen, I mean, you're starting a reception. You're to be at that head table. Like stuff was going on around me. Um, There was like caterers in the kitchen, you know, like I had the bride coming and checking on me and saying, you know, like we have to sit at the table and I'm like, I'll be right there. And I'm on the phone with him and I'm, I had a, a name for him that I called him. It was, it was a sure. nice name. Sure. <laughs> oh, cause I'm thinking I got a name I call him too. <laughs> well now. And uh, now, but what um, name do I call him in my mind? I, no, I'm not. I, no, 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 no. Now the, it would be a different name. Then I had a kind of a pet name for him cause you just do sure. sometimes. And um, so I remember calling him and I remember standing in that kitchen and I said, why didn't you, you, how come you didn't, I would, and I was worried, not worried about him, worried about what I was going to deal with later. Okay. So again, important distinction Mm -hmm. because this is all about the fixing and the cleaning up. Yes. This was not ever about your feelings. This was never about who you were as a woman. This was about somehow, for some reason, this, you were in this relationship and you did not have what it it took to get out. No. And you just kept fixing and kept cleaning up. Yes. It's amazing for to years. Me. Yeah. Yeah. He said I'm he said no, I didn't show up at the wedding. And I I remember the conversation. And I said I said, "Well, I you know, like it would really mean a lot to me if you are you coming to the reception? Like are you dressed? Is everything okay?" You know, like all the questions that I would did ask. Did you ask him what did I do? No, I never asked what I did because I didn't want to actually enhance. <laughs> right. But I know, I know in his mind, I did something. Whether I felt that I did, I, I didn't do anything wrong. I was at, a, I was at my and friend's And again, wedding. that's the next, the third point is whether or not I, I did something or whether or not I felt something. If he felt you did something, then whether you felt you did or not, you did something. Oh, and I would feel, I felt it all day long. I felt oh. it during the wedding. I felt it standing up. But you there. see what I'm saying, right? Oh, yes. So oh, if yeah. you didn't believe you did something, he would say, you did something. And then you would have to fix the thing that you knew you never did. Right. <laughs> That's so confusing it's, to it's say. Very, well, no, it, because but it's it very, it's very, it's kind of complex. It's just like, I, I it was like, ah. Uh, Right. It was. Um, you laid it, out his clothes for him to. Get, you gave him every opportunity to be successful to get to that event. Yeah. And here he is, and he and says, he's refusing to come. 
And so he asked what time I would be home. And I said, well, and I said, like, I, I have responsibilities as a bridesmaid. And so I probably won't get home till about two because I'm supposed to help the other bridesmaids clean up and stuff afterwards. So it'll probably be quite late. And I'm like, and I said, but I really wish you would come. And I could feel it on the other end of the phone. I could feel his anger, even though he was very calm on the phone. I could feel the tension. My whole body was in knots because I just knew it was really literally, and I never saw them coming one explosion after another. And and, and so, so I knew a, I was going to get a big one for this. So, and so this I, is a visceral feeling now you're having. Oh, sure. Your body became, when you sensed his boiling rage, even though he's so dangerously calm. Very calm. Which is what lots it's, of primal it things. scared me more. <laughs> well, yeah, because animals do that, right? Yeah. They get really calm before they strike. Yeah. And, and this, I'm not equating him to an animal. Uh, yeah, I am. I am equating him to an Behavior animal. I'm wise, saying behaviorally. Yeah, I understand the analogy. It's not okay. Mm-hmm. And that is, an, that, is a, that is a red flag to somebody. Oh. When you can feel the brewing happen, but within your body, you're feeling the visceral reaction of the yeah. knots, of the anxiety, of the, the nauseousness. And nothing of that feeling made you say, I'm never coming home. I'm not even coming home. I'm going to find another place. No, I just wanted, I'm still in peacekeeper mode. I'm in knots, but I'm in peacekeeper. No, but you have to understand, I mean, I felt that every other day in my life with him because I really didn't know if he went from beer to hard alcohol one day and I, I and I just I would know that there would be an explosion at the end of the night. I wouldn't have had to do anything, Lori. Um, he would just I call it the switch. I put quotations around it while we're sure. talking to you. I call it the switch because everything would be perfectly fine. And I'm talking like every other day or you know, like in a week, like you know, I could count on one hand less, you know, it would just happen very often. And so I became very accustomed. You can count on m- one hand, what? The times in your 10-year relationship where I remember. I remember so often over those years looking at a calendar and it was a constant thought in my head thinking, no, nah, didn't get through this week either. Because I could Not count- Not through the day, you were counting weeks. I could count on one hand on any given week in the 10 years that I was with them maybe one or two times in the week when I wouldn't deal with some sort of an explosion. And they could go from, you know, a mild explosion to, but mild explosion to me, I mean, that's what I'm trying to explain is I became very accustomed to the behavior I um, for the, the, I put into the relationship because of the behavior that I was dealing with. So I just became very used to what my day-to-day life was. frog in the pot. Kind of, yeah. Just turned up the heat and you just didn't jump out. Yes. Okay. So So I decided after that moment, um, I was in knots and I just, and my girlfriend had kind of, I, I think she'd kind of said, don't, let's not worry about it. And it was her day and I wasn't going to, and it's who I am anyway. So I put it aside. I had fun. I danced. I laughed. I had, I actually had the time of my life. It was a beautiful wedding. Um, they're two of my best friends still. I love them to death. Our kids have known each other growing up. Um, I'm grateful for their relationship. They've always been there for me. I think during those years, the reason that I didn't have a lot of people like that that were friends in my uh, day-to-day life is because it was hard for them to watch. I was in denial. They saw it. 
they could see the change in me. They could see that something wasn't right. But there was a large part of me that was in denial. So I really did kind of um, act like everything was fine most of the time. Very, very, very few people, um, my sister being one of them, knew what was actually going on. And so then you got home, let's, oh, oh, but tell me about the moment where you were on the dance floor. So um, I was on the dance floor, and, and I don't know if it was just maybe in my head. I don't know if it's because um, I wouldn't want him to see me, you know, like dancing with other people or having fun when he wasn't there. I think that in the back of my mind, I knew very well that that would upset him to see me having fun without him. It showed too much independence. But I had this flash where I was dancing with one of the groomsmen. We'd all gone to high school together, most of us. So we were all very good friends. We were laughing and dancing. And for a flash out of the corner of my eye, I thought that I saw him standing in the doorway. I let it go because it was like there and it was gone because when I actually turned around, I didn't see anything. So so a moment where you looked towards the door, you thought you saw him. I think I just glanced and then it was there and it wasn't. And And then when it registered in your brain, then you turned around. The whole night I thought, was he, wasn't he? But I just, at the same time, like I just carried on with the night. Right, but whether he was there or not is now sort of irrelevant to me. What is really powerful about that is his presence is so in you and you've used the words embedded in many different conversations we've had. It's so embedded in you that even if it is just this flash of a moment where it, it wasn't real, it was real. It was because he was there. Yeah. And then let's just say he actually was there. Well, it's almost, how do I put it? It's almost like as if I'd been conditioned to think that if I did anything inappropriate, it was wrong and it was going to be Right. And then we moved to the section where you're dancing with your high school friends. There's nothing to worry about. You, you did not do anything wrong. No. Again, this is, this is the repeat phrase that we've been saying over and over again. Right. This is, there's, you were not doing anything wrong. And the important point here is that it doesn't take anything to do anything to turn him into exactly unpredictable. So you get home. Ah, my sister, the person that was, was allowed into our day-to-day life that I'd mentioned before, she was also, because we were all good friends, she sure. was also part at the wedding. <clears throat> she knew that I was worried driving home because she sees... And she had seen every time, all the time, you know, what I was living. Um, so she knew that I was a little bit on edge driving home. It was about 2.30 in the morning. And she said, that, well, I'll walk, you, I'll walk you up to the door. So I've got my bouquet. I've got my heels. I've got my bridesmaid's dress. and On. The bridesmaid's dress is on. On. Okay. Um, when you, walking up to the house I lived in, it was steps up to a back kind of laundry room, glass door on the window, another glass door from the laundry room into the kitchen. So that was usually the way I entered instead of the front door. And we walked up and my sister looked at me and she said, what the heck is going on? And she said, and I said, and you're not in the door yet. 
I looked and what I saw was my entire kitchen destroyed, plates broken, plants turned upside down, tables turned upside down. I could see down through the kitchen into the hallway and it seemed as if we had like a a display wicker stand at the end of our hallway with plants and books and things like that, as if it had been dragged because there was dirt all the way down the hallway into the kitchen, as if it had been dragged down the hallway into the kitchen. My house was destroyed. Ah, and the sad part is coming up because um, my sister looked at me and she said, you're coming with me. And I said, no, I have to see if everything's okay. And she said, Jana, she Mm. said, I'm not letting you go in that house. She said, fine, I'm going with you. We walked in, we started looking around and she looked at me and she said, you are not cleaning this up. She really had my back for a lot of years. She really watched over me and spent many years trying to get me to see her, her light that I actually, for for the reasons of... It, Keep going. She she was trying to get you she to wanted me to leave. wake up. She watched me walk down the hallway. Oh, God. And I said, she goes, and I, I'm calling out his name. Okay. And he's not answering. And then I realized he was in the bedroom. And she kind of followed behind me, but she stood back a little ways. And I went in there. And to this day, I remember having conversations with her through the years after leaving him where she would say, I can't believe you walked in that room and you said what you said. Tell us what you said. I walked in the room and he's lying in the bed and he's stone cold sober. And I leaned over and I said, sweetie, is everything okay? And and he got up as I was walking towards the bedroom saying, it was like I, I just kind of walked in and I said this, and he got up and um, he started yelling profanities at me. And I don't know if I'm allowed to say them in this podcast, but no, he was, he was calling me very, very unkind names and um, really attacking me verbally. Um, my sister, to be honest with you, I can't remember if I asked her to leave or if she said, I can't do this. But I know that she, before, prior to her leaving, she wanted me to go with her. And I says, no, I'm not, I'm not. Um, I don't want to get the story wrong. That's why I'm hesitating because well, I'm just, it's just, just so long ago, but it's just like, it's very it's kind okay. of in my mind. But um, she ended up leaving. Um, he continued to, I think I started cleaning up. And he continued to call me the names he was calling me. And I stood my ground a little bit for the first time in a few years that I'd been with him. And I said, um, there was nothing wrong with me I was going to that wedding. I didn't do anything wrong. I don't know why you did, like what's going on. But I got the wherewithal because he scared me. There was something that he'd said that scared me. What, what did he say? You don't remember? I can't remember. I know it was not good. Okay. Um, he walked down, he, it, he, he yelled something at me, it scared me. I sat there in the living room, he was in the bedroom. I thought for a few minutes, I sat there in my dress holding my bouquet of flowers and my purse, and I sat there and thought, at that moment I remember thinking, I need to get out 
And so I walked out of the house. I started walking down the road that we live on. And I was just going to walk to my sister's. I, I, same thing. No, no cell phones at that time, right. you know, in, the, in those days. But um, I started walking down. So I got about three blocks away from my home. And I heard him racing down the street towards me. Oh, God. And he told me to get in. And I said, I'm not getting in. And I kept walking. And he said, get in. You're coming back home with me. He says, it's pouring rain. You're in your dress. You're in your heels. Get in and come back home with me. And I did. And I was there about half an hour. My brother-in-law showed up at the back door, and he'd already gone into the back room. So he didn't hear the door knock. And I went to the door, and I was horrified because I didn't want a fight to come out of this either. I didn't want him to hurt my brother-in-law. I, not that either one of them were fighters because they weren't, but, you know, when you just escalated and you, you just never think, know I don't what's want it to happen. get worse. Um or were you just afraid of him seeing what happened? Like of being No, no, caught? no, because because he was aware. Because okay. he was aware. He was my sister's husband and he was aware. Um he said, I'm we're really worried about you. Please come home with me. Your sister's really worried about you. And I said, Rob, I said, please let me handle this. I sent him on his way. He said, I don't want to go, Jan. And and I just, I said, it's okay. And I said, just please let me handle this. I said, it's just going to make it worse if you're here. And he- Wow, and so many people are caught in that position. Yeah. Because if they stay, you know, it could have gotten worse. And leaving you there could have resulted in a whole bunch of things. It could have. I mean, you're alive, but could have in their minds, both your sister and Rob's mind, it could have been- they weren't sure what was going to happen. Yeah. And sometimes you need, Such to, a risk. you need to be on the outside looking in to remember those moments and think about those people that really, really cared about you and didn't want to see you living a life like that and tried to help you out. And the fact that you would push them away, like I can imagine the, the stress and the anxiety and the feelings that I must have caused other people that were simply just trying to help me. My sister and I grew up in the same family. We have the same values. We're the same, you know, so much of us, you know, combined are really a lot the same. And and, um, I'll never forget that, you know, the the support I had there, but I do very much acknowledge the pain I must have caused people that loved me. So did, after that, you just cleaned up? The house was clean. Who cleaned it up? It's you. I cleaned it up. Because you're the fixer. Because I wanted it to go away. I didn't want to look at it. I didn't want to see it. So I cleaned it up. And and that's actually a picture into the rest of your relationship. Mm-hmm. You just didn't want it. You didn't want to see it. You just couldn't look at it. So you just quickly cleaned it up by... Yeah, it's kind of like covering up what you... It's like yeah. like almost like pretending, okay, it didn't right. happen if it's right. not there. Right, right. And right. so then, yeah. so the end it's result in that is... That you still stayed. Yes. Now, the next, there was one other instance where you had a car episode. You were driving down one night in particular, driving along uh, the road from a shopping mall after a party with friends. You're about 19 years old. You'd been dating less than a year. You say here, sometimes it wouldn't need to be something I said or did wrong that would make him do the switch. 
this was in the beginning too. And looking back, I think he was setting his boundaries with me. Back then, this road had more farmland, making it a dark stretch of road about halfway home with no street lights. We were driving, everything seemed fine. It was a fun night. And so I pulled over at a dark corner because I needed to go to the bathroom. And I got out of the truck, walked around to the passenger side and proceeded to do just that. Uh, I was no sooner about to go to the bathroom on the side of this dark road when I saw that the truck sped away. I was horrified and remember thinking, why would you just leave me there in the dark alone? I stood there frozen in the dark, woods beside me, but hard to see anything around me for what seemed like a very, very long time. I was in tears. I was angry. I was horrified at why he would even do this to me. I think it was about 10 minutes later and I saw him driving back towards me and he pulled a U-turn to the spot where I was standing. And then he said, get in. I've never forgotten this moment in time when I got in the truck. I was clearly upset and he looked at me and asked me if that scared me. I emphatically said, yes. To which he replied, if it scared you, That's what I meant to do. Remember how that felt. I I was 19 years old. It was my first boyfriend. So you imagine having a 19-year-old daughter and she's dating somebody and this is how she's being treated while out on a date with her boyfriend. I was naive. I was young. I'd never dated anybody before he was four years older. And um, it wasn't something that I, I didn't understand it. I didn't. And this is before, you know, the rest of the years. We just really, really started dating. We hadn't moved in together at this point. Um, so this is just an experience that I had. That kind of, you know. But this was the first experience the first where one. he showed you who he was and you did not believe him. He showed he was in control. He by showed doing you that. who he was. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. And you didn't believe it. And this is the most important thing that we all need to remember, whether it's abusive relationship or not, whether if it's, you know, when people show you who they are, we've got to believe them the first time. Absolutely. Because if we make choices after that, you know, that's where, like, it's like the alcohol, the out with friends, doing all those things. And then, you know, if you do things, it's fine, but they take the priority. They're the ones that do all the stuff. And, 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 and when they start missing in very significant parts of your life, when they start missing pieces of things that are so special, it's like, this is who they are. Mm -hmm. What is stopping you from believing that this is who this man was? You're driving down the road, you're going to pee. Like, okay, really? And he says, as sober as he was, if it scared you. No, no, no. He would, neither one of us were sober. We'd come from a party. So you were drinking <laughs> and driving. <Shh. laughs> okay. All right. Yes. So you were both not. So 
so you were drinking. It, okay, but I'm I'm sorry. It doesn't matter. Yeah. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. So he says, if it scared you, then that's actually what I meant to do. Remember how that felt. Here's the thing. Lots of people talk about when someone is drinking that it just gives them the liberty to say how they really feel. Uh, it's just this uh, another level of, of uh, removing a filter. Uh, social graces go out the window and so do other things as well. And the truth comes out. So again, I want to hear you talk about how it affected you because, you know, immediately after this, your response was, imagine your daughter's dating a 19-year-old. I don't, I'd, I'm not imagining this. I want to know when you're standing on the road, what made you actually get back in that truck? Okay, so maybe the dark road did, but what, what made you stay day after day after day until a couple years later, your best friend's wedding and your house being torn apart? You know, you having to write a contract that says, you know, I need, I want to go shopping. What, where, and why? And, you know, it's, I'm not, I, I don't have any judgment on this. It's more like I'm looking at you going, because I see who you are. Like, this is the, that's the, that's the thing. (laughs) I'm like, tell me, let me in to that moment because who you are today is not who you were back then. No. And that, you know, like, it's funny because who, what, that moment to be perfectly honest with you. Yes, please. Um, I let it go because it was the beginning. And I and thought- you just saved a whole bunch of people when you said that. Jenna, this is why you're here. The level of honesty that you answered that question with, that is millions of women's and men's stories. Well, because it's human nature. I let I it just go. let it go. I let it go because, you know, like, okay, so you, you look at day to day in any normal life, you're going to have little tiffs and you're going to do things that maybe aren't kind to the person you're with, but you know what? You apologize and you get on with it. And he really was two people. There really was this whole other wonderful, amazing side to him that one little episode in my 19 year old mind made me think, well, okay, this is fine. But knowing what you know right now is why we are telling all these young men and women. Yes. Start, I, don't, I, I want people who are 12 to hear this. Walk away. Not for one second of your life do you deserve to allow yourself to be mistreated by anybody. And I'm talking friends. I'm talking boyfriends. I'm talking anybody in your life. Because what matters more than anything and you need to hold on to for dear life is your love for yourself and your self-esteem and your strength of self. Because with that, you don't, you don't have those situations happen in your life. I went, I, when I met him, I was very confident. I, I watched girlfriends date in high school and go through troubled relationships and always up until that point had the mindset, I would never let anybody treat me like that. 
Wow. And so it's so I did let it go because I guess I thought that it was just one moment. And we, you know, I really like this guy and he's really good to me and he treats me like an angel. And I'm talking about the better part of him. Okay, because it was real 50-50. I always called it a Jekyll and Hyde syndrome because right. I never so knew 50, which 50, one. 50-50, not a 50% him, 50% you. You're saying 50-50 as in. two 50, different personalities. Okay, there you go. He had two different personalities. That's an important clarification. Now, I didn't want it to seem like I, it was partly your yes, responsibility. Yes, and so I did. I let it go because it just didn't seem that significant to me to like stand back. Looking back, sure. Knowing what I know now, Sure. I would have taken that moment and I would have said, you know, right. flipped in the bird and said, you know what, I'll, I'll walk home. Like I'm 20 blocks. I can do this, you know, hold my beer. I got this. Like, I yeah. just, you know, but, hold my beer. but in the moment, in those days, everybody, most people, when they did drive, they were drinking and they were driving. Oh, well, we were silly when we road. were younger and thank God for today's youth because that's completely turned around and I love that. But I'm, yeah. I, I want to read. I want to read something to you. Okay. I've, I, um, there is a, a woman who is a, a poet. Okay. And she, her name is Nikita Gill. And she has this little, well, I'll just read it. It says, pieces of you. Breaking off pieces of yourself to fit into places will not help you belong. It will only make you bleed. And that, wow, just sums it up. This is what we're talking about. Mm -hmm. Move me down. Fast forward, because there's a thousand other stories. But fast forward to that moment. Your sister is still in your life. She is your, I would say, guardian angel. Like, Right? She was my rock. Rock. She is your rock. Fast forward me to um, the day you left. 10 years of getting. We ran a business together. Tired and exhausted. I had made plans for about a week or two before the day I left him. Um, we had a long, deep walk in closet at our front entrance. Um, he never really paid attention to where I'd put things. It was, you know, I, I, it was my home. <laughs> I took care of things. I stored things. I put things where they needed to be. Um, and so he, one night when he was out at the bar, I gutted the closet and I started putting all of my personal items at the back of the closet. And then in front of all my personal items, I just kind of stacked some boxes so that he could just walk in there and just think it was what it was. Didn't really look past the boxes. You were making a plan. I was making a plan because I had to make a plan. I, I reached a point and largely due to my sister and one other person who's one of my dearest friends still in my life right now, um, their encouragement, their you know per- persistence in helping me see, just take that leap of faith. Was it um, a moment or a situation that before you, st- that made you go, okay, now I need a plan? It was an accumulation of almost 10 years okay. of knowing deep inside of me. And a lot of my writings, even at 24 years old yeah. that I've given you show that strength, show that I knew that I shouldn't be here, show that I knew that I did, I, I needed out of here, but I didn't leave because I spent 10 years letting it go. Um, And so the plan came about because I think I'd finally 
I, I'd, I'd reached my, I don't know where the breaking point came from, but I hit my breaking point and I knew. And it was something my sister said to me and it just played over and over and over in my head. And she looked at me one day and it was a few weeks before I left. And she said, imagine yourself that you've got a parachute on your back and you're standing on the edge of a plane with the door wide open and somebody's telling you to jump and you don't want to jump. You don't want to jump because it's too scary. You're too scared to jump. She said, but when you do jump, because you're going to, when you do jump and you land, it'll give you the most exhilarating feeling. And she said, so I think what you need to do is jump. Or she's going to kick you out of the plane. <laughs> she's going to, well, I wouldn't. you out of the plane. <laughs> well, I wouldn't put it past her, but I don't think that's what she meant. I think she's just saying. I don't think saying, it's what she meant either. Jump. T- jump. Just jump. jump. That's all. It was simple as that. Just jump. And it played in my head. I knew I had to leave. I knew it wasn't going to get any better at that point in my life because I was almost 28. And, and I just knew. I just knew this is going to be my life. for the, And it's, 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 Lori, it's years of me almost listening and conditioning myself. And re- it took me a long time. Um, but I got there. And so for the, about the week before, I, I kind of packed just my personal belongings, a little bit of jewelry, like stuff that I would want to take with me. If I couldn't take anything else, what would I want? And that's what I was down to. The plan came down to, um, I said to my sister, if I call, when I call you this week, because I'm going to call you one day this week, and I'm going to tell you to get in your car and I'm going to tell you to drive over here, I need to know that you're going to be there for me. And she said, of course I will. Um, so we ran a business together, this boy and ma- myself, and um, we went to work one morning and my anxiety was through the roof. He asked me at one point about an hour or two into work um, if I was okay. I looked at him and I said, I had to, I'm lying to him. And I said, you know what, I'm just, I'm not feeling well. And very caringly, because he did, he treated me very gently in most cases, like other than the the episodes. And he said- Which was his- to I think to me who his true self was like I I, I yeah, think so his true really self and and someone we had a heart of gold. someone else is going to weigh in on this sure like a, a you know but in my mind let's say right but his true self also is that um, he's he can find caring he can find a, a piece of care within his heart he can find love he can find anger. He can find, you know, d- all sorts of crazy things. He leads with those things, in, but then in the softer moment, as you describe it, um, there is the ability to have a little bit of empathy, which is such a mind screw. He had a lot of empathy. To know the person, it was, um, and it's, it's, it, it seems so strange because it was like, it's a roller coaster. It was a roller coaster because he did. He had a heart of gold. Like I mean, like I. And just, it's so hard for me to hear it, Jenna. Know, honestly, okay, so like, so let's be real then. then okay, please. so look, so looking back, me here now, looking back at that, then I've learned that when he was kind to me and when he was sweet to me, I've learned that that has. Um, been exaggerated in my psyche because the bad times were so bad that maybe the good times seemed really, really good. And so 
You know, in life, it's easier to focus on things that make you happy, not the things that have really hurt you deep inside and upset you, because it's nicer to look at those things. And I think because of who I am, it's just how I've conducted myself in my life, you know, for, for... So I will retract because I understand why you're challenging me a little bit on that. Well, because I think, Jenna, sometimes you're you're in the story Mm -hmm. and you're speaking from the story. I'm speaking from the moment. Right. And so not who I am. No, you're living, you're reliving Um, this. I actually think this is really important. You're reliving this. I am. And I need to show you a little bit more respect and kindness. Because I'm coming from this other perspective of I see this other dynamic, who you are now. And I'm like, you would not accept that um, up until last year. Yes. Today, you do not accept this. Last year, you would. And all the subsequent years. Last year, I did. Yeah. And I'm saying you've learned. So I I want to adjust myself in the sense that I... I'm not trying to be hard on you. I'm trying to say that we need to pull out the the balance of what you heard and what you lived out of the past, but remembering that you know something now that you didn't know then. And this is where I'm, so I'm just trying to pull you back out. So as you tell that story... I'm trying to say, okay, but remind us what you know now that you don't know then. You're not being hard on me. You're challenging me. And that's what this is about. Like, I really am reliving this. Look, I, I, it was 25 years ago when I left him. And, and I feel like in my life, I've, I've, I've taken the, the path of learning from it and, 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 um, understanding it and not doing similar patterns going forward and, and becoming, you know, a healthier minded person in relationships. We bring up last year because I was still issuing those behaviors last year. Because this is actually about you. Right. This is not about them. This is not about the the men right. in your life. You but are I, the common denominator. So and so I and reached that point. You're leading us to that point. Yes. And so I reached that yes. point. And I know it seems so it might seem hard to understand that why am I 52? I I went through something at 25 and why but it's good that I'm doing this process and I'm I've learned something about myself even in the short term of the process that was, you know, the the path that we're on together right now because um, yeah, I was, I, I recognized just recently that I was still issuing those behaviors towards a relationship last year. Right. And I had to stop. And that's where the circle comes in. I thought I keep going round and round the circle. I keep seeing the same thing, but I'm part of that process. I'm the one also contributing to that process of seeing the same thing over and over again. Bingo. It's Stepping right. out of that circle was me reaching a pinnacle in my own heart, in my mind, in my soul that's saying, oh, you don't have to do it like that. And have you and ever so thought, and it was out. super easy for you to step out, but I you had to out. go through 25 Absolutely. years. Absolutely. And all these years of relationship after relationship and, and being crushed and being going, and going why, what is, why are they doing this to me? And it's like I said to you, they're not doing this to you. 
No, no, You're no. Doing I'm, this to I'm just, I'm just as much a part of that process. Right. Now, pull Absolutely. us back because we were. You're, you're. So the day I left. Yep. So your, your, your sister told you about the parachute, and here you go. Jumping. Yep. Yep. Okay. So, um, so the week and a half, I, I kind of organized my stuff. I sat on it. The day that I left, I said I'm not feeling well. And, and he, he showed was, you kindness. He, he was very caring. He says, you know what, sweetie? And he says, we've got enough guys on the job. He goes, why don't you take a half day off? And he goes, I'm going to drive you home. Call your sister. Play gin rummy in the backyard. Make yourself some iced tea. You know, enjoy your day with your sister. And I said, okay. So I went home. I'm going to short short play this yes, because please. I know it. Like it's, well, it's my, my, my own book in my head, right? Okay. So... Um, went home, called my sister. I said, it's time. You did exactly what he said to do. Yeah. I said, it's time. She said, I'm coming. Are you serious? And I said, I need you now. And she came over. She had a little tercel. We took all the stuff out of the closet behind the boxes. Were you wrote, racing? Were you afraid? Racing because I didn't want him to come home while this is going on. Were I'm, you afraid? I'm, I was, but I was also, there was a part of me that I was so ready. I was just like, for the first time, like, look, I've got this personality where you can push me and push me and push me and push me and push me, and I won't break. But I reach a point where I break. That was my, I broke. I, I was like, that's it. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm cutting this cycle. I'm getting out. I'm doing this. Um, so, yes, I was afraid. I was afraid that he might show up while I'm doing it. I was afraid that... Well, you weren't lolly. W- you weren't taking your time. You guys I, were... But I also had very little, at that point, self-esteem because he'd beat me down, like, emotionally. And so I, I really had... I had to just grab what little bit of self-esteem I had left. So I, I, I was scared, but I was okay. I knew that I was going to do this. I knew that I was the only... I, I, my sister's words, I'm ready to jump. I'm ready to jump from this plane. Help me jump from this plane. Okay. So she showed up. We packed up her car. We went in the backyard. We made some iced tea. We played gin rummy. Okay, wait a minute. <laughs> wait a second. Oh, it goes on. You mean to tell me that you race around, you pack up the car, and you don't pull out of the driveway, and you just, then you go back inside... You make iced tea and you sit there? Lori, I was out for an Academy Award that day. So, um, yes, I did. And he showed up after work with the guys that worked for us. Okay, my jaw, I don't know this. This is... (laughs) I haven't shared this with you, that's why. So my reaction is not... I'm... I am stunned, Jana. So then... He shows up. Your car's packed full. Which we were worried about. My sister threw a blanket over it. She said, he's going to see that he stuff in the back of it. She threw it over the stuff or the car? No, it was in the back seat of a little tercel. So you didn't take very much? Just your, like it you said. It piled up to the back of her seat. Like you could see there's stuff in the back seat of her car. She threw a couple blankets and stuff over it, hoping he wouldn't notice that it was there, which he didn't. So I'm just going to go through with my story because it's just, you can... Sit there with your jaw dropped open. <laughs> I am, and my eyes, I don't think they've bugged out like this in a long time. And then you can, oh then, and okay. So. But I know there's a good ending, so I'm okay. So we were sitting in the backyard, playing gin rummy, having our iced tea. And he came back a couple of hours later with the guys from work, case of beer. They came out back. We socialized a lot, so it wasn't uncommon to have people like at our house on any given day and stuff. So, um, 
we were playing our cards. He said, are you feeling better? I said, yeah, I think I was just kind of, I don't know. He goes, well, I, I, you've been working really hard, honey. And he goes, so, you know, maybe that's, you just needed that time. And he goes, so I'm glad you, your sister was around. And I said, oh, me too. And um, we had a customer at the time that had just, we just gotten an NSF, NSF check from one of our customers. And he lived out, you know, the other side of town from us. And so I said to him, um, Hey, and I said, will you guys have beers before before we start dinner? And I said, um, I'm going to go with Jenny and exchange that NSF check with um, the customer. And he says, oh, that's great. And he goes, do you have it? And I said, yeah, it's in the kitchen, so I'll grab it and I'll go get us the other check because I just talked to him. I dealt with the customers a lot too, and so he didn't think anything of that. So we left. We drove to a local motel. I went to the front desk, I got my room, I got my room key, I unloaded my sister's car. Um, I said to the front desk clerk, I said, I'm leaving a not good, I'm leaving a, an abusive situation. Okay, wait, did you say I'm leaving an abusive situation or did you say I'm leaving a not good situation? Sorry, I stuttered on my own words. Oh, I, I, I thought told, maybe you hadn't got like, because no, 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 okay, I said so I'm, you were, I, I just, I just had to leave an abusive situation. I said, I, I almost anticipate him coming and looking for me. I'm scared. Can you please not, if somebody comes here asking for me, can you please not tell them that I'm here? Wow. And he said, honey, he said, I don't even know you. Oh. Here's your room key. So we got the room key. I loaded my stuff into the hotel room Went to Ocean Park, we got the NSF check cleared up, came back home, had a beer with all the people that were there, our friends that were there. Okay, okay. Just let me... You went back home? Okay. Went back home. Um, everybody was in the backyard. There was about three or four people there with him, and we were going to barbecue. We had actually had two friends that we were waiting for to show up because we had a weekend across, the, across into the States planned for a race we were all going to. And so we'd made plans with this other couple. They were to be there at about seven. Right now it's like about 4.30 or something like that. And um, so we went back, uh, sat in the backyard, had a beer. And um, I said, is it okay if I go and have a coffee with my sister before we leave for the weekend? And he said, yeah, we're not starting the barbecue for another hour. That's fine because my sister is somebody he would let me go places with. Um, you know how hard that is to hear, right? And is so, it okay if I go for coffee? I know. I know. It was my life. Um, and so... But maybe you just wanted to ask that question for the last time. No, it was normal for me to say, can I? No, that was perfect. That was like breathing to me to say, can I? Am I allowed to? Um, so I told him and I said, um, I've packed our bags for the weekend I said, I, 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 I just put some clean clothes in the bathroom. And I says, but I said, you need to have a shower before we go. And I said, so everything's there for you. I'll be back in about an hour. And I stood there in the kitchen. He And I, it was a moment where I wondered if, I was really scared that I was going to, my academy ward wasn't going to come in because I was really scared that I wasn't pulling this off, that he was going to see right through me. Um, well, because you just said my bags, I went, bags are packed, right? I and went, that would have been your, his trigger if he was thinking. No, no, no. He wouldn't have thought anything of that because I did all that stuff for us anyways. So I okay. went into the kitchen to leave 
And I said, um, okay, well, I'll be back. I'm saying all this to him. And I said, I'll be back in an hour. I gave him a hug. I gave him a kiss on the, we kissed and hugged yeah, before we let, sure. said goodbye. And I, um, I gave him a hug and he's holding me. And I remember him saying in my ear, he said, he called me Jaybird. He said, Jaybird, he said, your heart's beating really fast. And I said, oh, I said, I don't know why. And he said, yeah, it's just beating really fast. He said, are you okay? And I said, yeah, no, I'm fine. And I said, but we'll, so we're going to go. I said, we'll be back before, before we start dinner. And he's just like, okay. I got in the car with my sister. We're facing the door in the carport. He comes out the door. And even my sister said, she goes, it's almost as if he knew. She goes, because, and I'll never forget the moment, Lori, because. But there was nothing in the car. Not, you had already not like, at that point. You, he, but it was almost like his him standing there. Where it was like almost like a movie. I'm backing out of the driveway. He's standing, leaning against the door, not upset, not anything. But I just it was this sense because I knew him so deeply that I just thought he knows. He knows what I'm doing. My sister even said, she goes, it's almost like she goes that I, I'll never get that look out of my head him watching us back out of that driveway. And I said, I know. We drove to the hotel. My girlfriend, the one that I was a bridesmaid at her wedding, she rallied with my sister. They, she showed up at the hotel and they sat there with me for about three hours till I got up the nerve to call him. I called him and now it's about six. So I know that our friends are probably there ready to go for the weekend. We're going to have dinner, stay overnight and then leave the next morning. And he picked up the phone. He said, hello. And again, no SAR-69, no call displays. Where he can't find you. He can't find me. He doesn't know where I'm calling from. And he said, Jaybird, where are you? And I just very quietly and calmly stated, I'm not coming back. Mm. I've left you. And he kind of laughed and he said, he goes, what are you talking about? And I said, I'm not, I repeated myself. I said, because it was, took all my strength to say it. I said, I'm, I'm leaving you. I said, I'm not coming back. And he said, where are you? And I said, I'm not going to tell you. I said, but I have to go. And he said, uh, our friends are here and they're ready to go for the weekend. He goes, when are you coming home? And I said, you need to hear what I'm saying. I'm leave, I've left you. I'm not coming back. And I said, I have to go. And I hung up the phone. And he spent the next two days driving around White Rock trying to find me. Yeah, went everywhere he thought he, I might be, but didn't check there where I was. Wow. Did um, you stay inside? Like, did you go out? I out? didn't leave that hotel room till the next morning. And the next morning at about six or seven in the morning, my sister picked me up. And drove me out to somewhere else in the in the Fraser Valley where my grandparents lived. And I stayed with my grandparents for the next two months until I could find a place of my own. He didn't think to go to grandparents? He went to their vacation place across the line looking for me, had a beer with my grandparents the day after I left. And your grandparents trying to figure out your grandparents knew. Mm, I don't think my grandmother was there. I think she was at her home in somewhere in the Fraser Valley. Yeah. Um, and but he did sit with my 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 uncles and my grand, which which the family my and family my family, my family loved him. No, 
Okay, that's what that's the, the people por- that were down there didn't know my grand nobody my grandmother. Knew. But my, I mean, my grandmother understood my situation. She, her first husband was an alcoholic. She, she understood what I was living. We talked a lot over those years and stuff. So, but they loved him. They adored him. He sat there, I guess, and I found this out later on down the road. But he sat there and not asked them where I was directly, but just kind of um, tried to feel from them if they knew. And he said, I looked everywhere for you. But after six months, I, I, I was comfortable enough to see him face to face. And he actually came down to the area that I was living because I moved outside of the area I was living in, kind of as far away as I could get in the lower mainland so that I could just start over. Um, so after six months, I, it was a, he came down. We ended up going and having a lunch together with him and another friend Everything went smoothly. I felt at that point I'd gained my strength. I'd gained my self-esteem back, I, my self-worth. I started loving myself again properly. Mm. Um, so a year later, fast forward six more months, um, I had to come to White Rock for something. There was something, I think it was that we owned two properties together, and I think it was a day that we went to the lawyers um, to both properties, we had two vacation properties side by side. Both of both of our names went to the lawyers to have one signed to my name, one signed to his. And that was an agreement that he came to me a year after leaving him that I'd left with actually nothing. I left my entire home behind me, which was fine. They're just objects. It doesn't matter. What mattered was myself at the time. So all that stuff that I'd accumulated over 10 years, my furniture, my my kitchen, everything was, I just left behind the property I felt that we owned a business together. We owned a house together, and I felt that that might be a fair assessment of you know splitting things up. He agreed. We went to the lawyer. We went back to his place, and we were sitting on the lawn in the backyard. We had a beer together, and he looked at me, and he said, Can I tell you something? Because we were kind of small talking. We didn't get into it too much, what had happened, what had gone on over the last year, any of it. And he said, can I tell you something? Sitting right beside me. And I said, yes. He said, my whole life, there's one person that I respected more than anybody I've ever met in my life. And that was my little sister because the strength that she had and her personality and who she is, I always admired. We were always very close. And he goes, but I respect her more than any other person on this earth. And he got a tear in his eye and he pointed at me and he said, until now. And I just looked at him while he talked. And he said, Jay, he said, I know the heart you possess. I know who you are. And what I know more than both those things is that that must have taken every ounce of your strength to do that to us. And he said, it's impressive. And I'm proud of you because I think you deserve a better life than what you've been living. And he said, I respect you for what you did and I understand it. And it was such... (laughs) (sighs) When you go through 10 years... Of um, sorry, when you go through ten years of um, conditioned behavior that you've put on yourself and that you've been 
a situation that you 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 you're placed in and you've kept yourself there and you've managed and you've made it easy as you could while you were there and the strength it took me to walk away from that was everything and to have somebody that hurt you so bad that you loved so much and you I, I always did I always loved that part of him so much to place that acknowledgement on you and that respect towards you when I never felt it in all the years I was with him and all the year you know the like the year it was it was everything to me and I'm sorry that brought my brought myself to tears because why are you that apologizing? Moment, that moment was <laughs> that moment was everything to me to have him look at me and and say that with every genuine part of his soul, and it just made everything okay for the first time in eleven years. Hmm. Affirmation is something that is so important for all of us. And it's almost like what you're saying is that he saw you for the first time. And that is amazing. It was a pretty cool moment. Not every abuse survivor gets to tell that story. Not every abuse survivor says, I sat with them and they told me that... They respected me. Oftentimes, it's a totally different story. And a lot of women who've left men do not ever talk to them again. So this is really... Well, he was unique. He was unique. I just need to say thank you, Jana. Um, (laughs) Right? That's so... I just feel really emotional and it's probably because we're in the same room and <laughs> and it's like that feeling of, you know, when I, I'm feeling your release, I'm feeling, I'm feeling right here with you. And I just want to say that relationships are, are, are so interesting and they're so complex and they're so deep. This wasn't the end of your relationship story. This is only really the beginning of the different relationships that you found yourself in, none of which were the same intensity as this relationship with this particular individual. But, and I want to explain those in the, in this future episodes that we do, because as you said earlier, this is actually about you and unraveling your own story. It takes a very confident, courageous individual to do what you've done. Thank you. Not very many people do this. So thank you. I feel inspired. And I see pieces of myself in you. And isn't that the beauty of every story? We talked about you being a warrior in, in the last episode, and I, I think you are. I believe you are. 
but you've also called us all higher. In those moments where we put someone first and we, who is mistreating us just to please them. And this is the story of your life and it's a call. Maybe we are not having the same level of abuse in a relationship, but maybe it's just letting someone walk on you or you're walking on eggshells or you just don't live in a place of congruency. And maybe there are people that are not living out of a place of confidence and they're afraid of not saying how they feel. You are inspiring that. I love that. This is your story. You've opened the door to possibility. That is, I am just grateful to you. And, and that's part of why this is so beautiful. Oh, thank you for that. I'm going to end by reading this. Nikita Gill says, you are hope in a human being. I want you to remember this more than anything in the whole world. No one who hurt you, who betrayed you, who has never apologized for the pain they have caused you is worth your mental health. A place in your heart or the taste of acid on your tongue when you speak their name. What they deserve is erasure. Is, what they deserve is erasure. Is that how you'd say it? Erasure. Erasure? E-R-A-S-U-R-E. What they deserve is erasure. (laughs) (laughs) Haven't I heard you on Google before? (laughs) My God. (laughs) Just do anything, I'll stop laughing. I know, but (laughs) what they don't know is that we had to look up this word to figure out what the exact (laughs) thing is. So in the middle of this beautiful thing, I'm like, what is erasure? Erasure. Erasure, <laughs> says Google pronouns. Okay, 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 okay. okay. <clears throat> <laughs> I'm going to look out the window. You're going to look out the window. Walk away. <laughs> okay. Jesus. Okay. <clears throat> what they deserve. <laughs> oh my god. Ah, okay. I'm gonna call you Gigi, the Google uh, girl. Okay, I'm gonna read it all over again. <clears throat> yeah. <clears throat> Here they go. What they deserve is erasure. <laughs> Just fuck. Okay. What they deserve is erasure. Being forgotten. Being totally inconsequential whilst you pursue every hope and dream you have ever had in mind or in heart. Take every single person who lessened your shine and bury their memory without mercy under glow of everything that makes you who you are. And who you are right now in this moment is a living, breathing example of how you can survive hell and still, still keep shining. Wow. It's beautiful. 
you can tune in for the next episode where we talk about the patterns that continued on for Jana in other relationships that she had. Because as Jana pointed out, this is really about her and her becoming and moving into the person that she is meant to be at 52 years old. She is becoming. And it's beautiful. Till next time.